Hey, welcome to episode 27 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and it is amazing how quick time is going by these days. Well, as the season continues to shake out, let's just get right to it because there apparently are some old friends, and what I mean by that is some issues that have come back with a vengeance to the Canadians, which are injuries. It seems like injuries are now going to play a part of this season as well as the last couple of seasons to a level in which is amazing to me. It seems like the Canadians get hit by more injuries than just about any other organization, or it just seems like maybe there's a bigger deal made of it, so it seems like more. But unbelievable the amount of people that continue to get injured on this roster. Currently, you have Sean Monahan, who is seemingly out with no return date in sight. There was rumors at one time that walking cast or walking boot was going to be taken off. He still remains out. Brendan Gallagher, on the other hand, it would seem like none of his offseason regiment changes or conditioning made the difference that he or the organization was hoping for as he is once again out for an extended period of time. David Savard is out with no return date that's been posted for his return. Mike Matheson, I think, has missed more time right now than at this point of the season than any other person would have thought he would have missed. It seemed like in the training camp period of time, he went down with a upper body injury that was later determined to be a uh, stomach muscle issue and he has just remained injury prone since training camp and what's unfortunate for him is it may end up costing him a position on this team and a roster spot as so many rookie players have played really well that we'll get into here in a little bit. In addition to all of that one would certainly hope that the rookies could have escaped injuries and for the most part they have but unfortunately Caden Gooley has not and is out for a minimum of eight weeks. Something's telling me gut feeling wise that he will not be seen prior to after the trade deadline, which is really, really unfortunate as he was having an amazing season for somebody in their first season and was playing like a guy that had already been in the league for five plus years. He is a really, really good solid defenseman that I think Montreal can finally say they've had a first round pick turn out to be something like a first round pick should be and he seems to be one of those players back to mike matheson for a second i think a lot of people were hoping he'd be that transitional fluid kind of first strong pass defenseman at this point like i was saying with his injuries it looks like he might play as many games this year as joel edmondson did last year which was about 24 games and that's unfortunate that's a lot of injuries for a team to deal with and it never seems to be injuries that are for a short period of time it always seems to be injuries that takes people off for weeks months no return dates best guess should be back by but never is all those kinds of issues and you just want to wonder what is in the drinking water what is going on with the medical staff what is going on with the training for the organization does something need to be looked at because the injuries are just horrendous and they just keep piling up however on a positive note i don't think anybody can dispute who the mvp of this team is this season arbor jackeye unbelievable i mean i don't think anybody gave him a chance and what's made it really so special to watch him in addition to the far above exceeded uh playing level that he's played to and expectations for him is just the fact that he has been literally a walk-on at every level 
and is just bound and determined to show people they made an enormous error not drafting him. And not drafting him in one of the first two rounds. I mean, because he has played better than most drafted players have. I mean, he's made a greater impact and a faster impact than a lot of drafted players have at any round, including first-round picks. And certainly looks better than the majority of Montreal's first-round picks from, say, what, 1980 to 2015? That's a quick 25 or 35 years. That's a few first-round picks to look better than. I think, honestly, not only is he the MVP of the team, I believe he should be legitimately considered in the top three for the Rookie of the Year or Calder Trophy by the NHL themselves. And I know it's really weird for defensemen and unusual for defensemen to get that award, but you know what? Good, solid rookie defensemen are rare. Part of that award is for that rare talent as well. Not just the high offensive productive player, but I think defensemen. And I think goaltenders should also have a shot at Calder trophies, not just offensive players. And he has earned that ability to be in that conversation easily with how he's played this year. Continuing on the positive conversation, it has just been amazing. If you think back to the preceding summer to this regular season when everybody was all up in arms and said there is absolutely no way Montreal should start three rookie defensemen. It has turned out to be five. You have Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, Jordan Harris, Jonathan Kovacevic, and Justin Baron has now made his push and joined the team from Laval. That's both good news and bad news, because if you think about that, these five players, as great as they've played, also means they've solidified five of the six future roster spots for a defenseman to play on that team. Now, one could argue most teams like to carry seven defensemen now, but you now only have one open spot. So not only have they earned five out of the six spots currently on the roster, what do you do with Joel Edmondson, David Savard, Chris Weidman, Mike Matheson at the NHL level? Corey Schumerman, Otto Leskinen, Tori Dello, Madison Bowie at the AHL level. I don't think these guys have chances to remain in Montreal very long. And there's no way with all of those players an option of keeping them happy when it comes to playing time, starting role, contribution percentage to the team, fluidity of their own game. I think all of those things are, could potentially be problems. Now, one could argue certainly that's a nice problem to have as an overabundance of defensemen for your team, but it can also pose some interesting issues as well. So it's going to be interesting to really see how that gets taken care of and resolved. To Montreal's benefit, it has the ability to bring a cash cow of continued draft capital and assets to the organization, especially for particular players like Joel Edmondson and David Savard and even Mike Matheson. But the others should bring draft picks and options as well. Maybe not first round or second round picks, but as it's been proven, Montreal has done an amazing job with third to seventh round picks. If you think of some of the players, Jake Evans, Caden Primo, Michael Pizzetta, Brendan Gallagher, Vincent Rohr, Cedric Wadeen, Joshua Roy. I mean, there's there's a lot of players that have been drafted in mid-rounds that everybody's like, ah, who cares about a mid-round pick? Acquire every draft pick that you can regardless of the round because one never knows what that talent's going to turn out to be. Could be nothing, could be a cornerstone of your team. But like I was saying, it's been really interesting to look back on this summer's discussions when so many people were vehemently opposed to three rookie defensemen making that team. Couldn't happen. There's no way they'd all be ready. 
they're not going to get the right playing time their development's not going to be right they've gotten more opportunity playing in montreal than i think they would have in laval because laval too is dealing with a glut or significant amount of defensemen as well but their playing time has been ample to hone their skills their plays have improved while they've been in montreal but it's created a redundancy and a log jam that's going to have to get dealt with but out of all the veteran defensemen the one that i feel bad for the most is mike matheson because it's been an opportunity to come home it was welcomed with open arms there was a lot of expectations unfortunately his injuries I think he's going to cause Montreal or his time in Montreal to be basically a layover on his way to somewhere else. And he's a good defenseman. He's a good transitional defenseman. He's a very solid skater. He's a good first pass defenseman. But unfortunately, there's a lot of other people, a lot of younger people, a lot of cheaper people that can all do that as well. And so far have not had or been hit by that injury bug that seems to just be ruining his 22-23 NHL season which is really, really unfortunate to see. And I know some people are going to sit there and go, oh my God, you can't trade all the veteran defensemen. Well, the five guys I mentioned, Gooley, Jackeye, Harris, Baran, and Kovacevic, think of all the people now that that leaves fighting for that one remaining starting six position. Logan Mylou, Jaden Struble, Matthias Norlander. But there's a host of others in addition to that, such as Lane Hudson, such as Adam Engstrom. I mean, there's a lot of people fighting for that last remaining spot which means obviously Montreal is going to be in the trading business, not just this year, which there's a lot of players that people are dying to see gone, which we'll get to here in a minute, but also into the future as well, because there's no way they're going to have room for them all. And you would have to think the inside track for that sixth position right now is got to either be Lane Hudson or Adam Engstrom. And there's arguably some other people that could be there as well, but those have got to be the two favorites at this point, given development trends where the team's going what the team's building the style they want to play the transition game that they want those two just make an incredible amount of sense to have in that defense starting wise and again looking at a positive scenario that this causes because everybody's like oh my god that's a lot of players changing that's a lot of veterans gone in addition to Edmondson and Matheson potentially bringing first round picks there's a host of some other players that we'll get to that can also bring first round picks as well as other assets in addition to other players that won't net a first round pick but again keeps the flow of assets and draft capital very deep and very rich and it's a really good thing and again as we've talked about in the past this is that perfect year to if you have that much draft capital everybody's like oh you got to trade you got to move up why would you possibly want that many draft picks you couldn't sign them all again not everybody works out that's certainly been proven montreal's track record up until recent years was not good from like 1980 to 2015 just as a time period and this year being such a deep draft you can go off the board you can take a chance you can draft at a position such as goaltending which i believe is the biggest need of montreal moving forward after this season and you can find that goaltender or you can at least take several goaltenders that you normally wouldn't have the draft picks to be able to do obviously as you have other organizational needs and roster needs you can now do that because you have that flexibility based on what you've acquired so that's the real benefit to obtaining 
making that many draft picks. Though some say it's way too many, some say it's an excessive amount, and you got to package them all and move up in the draft. There are players that might be worth doing that with sometimes, or also think of how many holes you can fill with all of those picks. You can get secondary players, you can get role players, you can get cornerstone franchise players. It's all over the map. Now, of course, one benefit to this that we will get to is the selection of players that may be available at their draft pick, depending on what draft pick they actually get. Before we delve into that, think about the fact that you have, in addition to players defensively, such as Joel Edmondson, can net you a first-round pick. Mike Matheson, can net you a first-round pick. David Savard, can probably net you a second-round pick. Add that to names like Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak, Sean Monahan, who can also, like Edmondson and Matheson, net you first-round picks or additional picks to that. That's five additional first-round picks. They may not all come this year in the 2023 draft. They may come over several years, but that is still an incredible amount of assets to add and to be able to continue to build your talent pool internally that the organization has. Now, in addition to that, unfortunately, there are also some players that Montreal, as the season goes along, may end up losing for absolutely nothing. They may end up walking away when their contracts expire, and the top three of those has got to be Jonathan Drouin, Evgeny Donatov, and Paul Byron, who unfortunately is nursing a horrific injury and process that he went through last summer. Unfortunately, I think there was a lot of excitement. I think Montreal was hoping to get something for Drouin and Donatov specifically. At this point, I think they're going to be a walk away for nothing. I Nobody's going to want to inherit that salary unless Montreal has that perfect opportunity come about where they think they have other players that can get those two players going and Montreal agrees to eat that salary for this year, which then nets them a higher draft pick that they would have been offered in a higher round. Maybe but that is a real stretch. I mean, the chances of that happening, you can't rule it out. I mean, there could be some teams calling and coming to see Montreal for that, but it's going to take a really weird, specific, leveraged situation to be able to pull that off. And it may very well be the same thing for Joel Armia and Mike Hoffman, although at least those two have had some success this year or at least had some games of relevancy where they've actually been a part of the team, but they too have played in a really diminished, uneventful, unnoticeable role with the team this year, which unfortunately probably is not going to, for those two players at this point, I would be surprised if Montreal got anything other than sixth and seventh round picks for them, which is not what they were expecting. Again, at this point, better than nothing, and especially if they can dump the salaries that these players have, although not the worst ones, certainly ones that will affect the overall payroll of the team. The exciting part is, look at all the talent that is already in the pipeline and coming soon. Joshua Roy, Sean Farrell, Riley Kidney, Jesse Yolanan, Raphael Harvey-Pennard, Xavier Simino. So there are a lot of players coming, a lot of people ready to take roster spots. They have a very good combination of people at different stages and a lot of people ready to start playing now. For anybody that was excited earlier this year with the way Montreal was playing, everybody was like, holy cow, they might actually just sneak into the playoffs. Given the last 10 games, the situation has taken a significant turn. They are getting shut out and not just shut out, but shut out and blown out at the same time. They are starting off well and then disappearing during certain periods. Whether
whether it's players that are hitting a brick wall, whether it's players that are playing injured and don't want to be out, whether it be losing their roster spot or just feeling that they're not giving the team an effort, but something has occurred. I think the bigger problem, though, remains with particular members of the coaching staff. I'm a huge fan of Martin St. Louis. I've been that since the day he was hired as their coach. I've also been a huge fan of Stefan Robidas for their defense. The other two coaches, though, Alex Burrows and Trevor Latowski, not a big fan of. They need to go. I think the big thing that Montreal needs to add to the coaching staff, unlike some people who want to add a veteran and say it needs a veteran presence, that is not the need. I think Montreal needs a new way of thinking, offensive mind, and I think that person is Brad Richards, who played with Martin St. Louis in Tampa. I think he would be a phenomenal addition. I think he'd get the power play rolling. I think he would bring tremendous consistency to the offense. I think he understands the game better than a veteran coach would because he's played in the modern game very recently, like St. Louis, a Stanley Cup champion, and is still in a player's mind, which is nothing but beneficial to the roster players of that organization. But all of the players that have made the team, all the players that I've talked about that are coming, has got to make people finally be able to at least somewhat forget what I would have deemed as the three worst moves by the Canadians since 1980 moving forward. And that was the drafting of Doug Wickenheiser. And I was a big fan of Doug Wickenheiser. It's not like I hated the guy or something. Unfortunately, he was in a no-win situation regarding things that he had no control over. Language and local heritage has and continues to play a huge role there. The fact that they drafted him instead of a young center out of the Montreal Juniors that year by the name of Dennis Savard, who went third overall to the Blackhawks, still has people just red-faced and at stroke level. It's something that the organization, long time ago, still hasn't forgotten about it. The fans never will forget about it. That will be a sore spot forever. But I think at least these drafts in recent years can at least make people in Montreal realize that Montreal's drafting has improved significantly. Second worst move probably has to be the Scott Gomez trade where the organization gave up such star-studded players or future stars like Ryan McDonough, amongst others. Did Gomez help the team at the time? I think the greatest thing that he and Brian Gianta and everybody else that came with him brought was leadership, which was severely lacking at the time. But unfortunately, it didn't necessarily translate into game-changing players. Certainly, Gomez and Gianta were good captains for the Canadians, but also had a lot of mileage on them at that point in time. And that's the unfortunate part. Had Montreal gotten those players earlier in their career, most people probably would have been a lot more impressed with that trade or at least more optimistic about it. And of course, the most recent mistake by the Canadians, trading their first round pick ninth overall out of the 2016 NHL interdraft, Mikhail Sergachev, to Tampa for Jonathan Drouin. That has to be like the exact opposite spin of the Doug Wickenheiser drafting because everybody was upset Montreal chose a non-French from the Western Canadian Hockey League Center over a French superstar of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Now, Montreal with Sergachev trades away a European player, gains a highly drafted, highly touted local talent in Jonathan Durant, who played for the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and has just been, to say a bust would be an understatement. He has just been, honestly, in the last 25 years, the worst acquisition by the Montreal Canadiens. I get it. I know why they did it. Makes a lot of sense in a lot of different areas. He was supposedly a very talented player for whatever reason. 
whether it be injuries, whether it be system, whether it be confidence issues, whatever it is, not only has it worked out, has just been a pure flop. I mean, at this point, even though he's from the province of Quebec, I honestly got to think in the back of my mind, he can't wait for this season to end. Even if he doesn't score a goal all season, he has got to be excited and looking forward to a fresh start. It wouldn't surprise me at all, either by if Montreal's lucky enough to trade him or he just walks away from his contract when it expires. I got to think he ends up in Colorado. If nothing else is a free agent, because he and Nathan McKinnon played as line mates during their junior careers and had a very, very very special chemistry between the two of them and played lights out hockey. So I would think he's got to be looking for something like that and might even give them one heck of a discount to make that happen just to, at best, revive his career, which I think he's hoping to do. I'm not thinking he wants to be out of the league by age 27 or 28, but Montreal is a lost issue for him. It just never worked out. Maybe it was too much pressure being a hometown kid. I don't know, but it just worked out as badly as something possibly could for him. But flipping things to a positive, one can only be excited about what really has been, since the drafting of Sergachev in 2016 in the first round, great draft pick. Unfortunately, just didn't stay with the organization. Moving to 2018, Montreal picks up Jordan Harris in the third round. 2019 picks up Cole Caulfield in the first. Jaden Struble, I think, will still turn out to be something special potentially. Matthias Norlander in the third round. Raphael Harvey-Pernard in the seventh. 2020 comes along, which nets the Canadians Caden Gooley, Yan Mysak, Sean Farrell. Not to mention, I think there's going to be some sleepers in that draft in the forms of Blake Biondi and Jacob Dobbs, who I think is going to be the best of what Montreal has in goal at this moment for the future. Doesn't mean they may not draft something else in 2023, but out of all their goaltending prospects specifically, I think he has the greatest shot of being that next talent in goal. Whether he plays the level of any of the long list of greats in goal remains to be seen, but I think he's definitely better than anything else they got at this point in time. 2021, that's you, Logan Mylou, Riley Kidney, Joshua Roy. That's pretty impressive. I still think Logan Mylou is going to be a solid NHL defenseman. I think he's being 6'3", 215 already, has a cannon and a rifle for a shot. Unfortunately, I think in a very media hotbed city, it might be in the best interest for the organization to obtain a future first-round pick from him somewhere else. And I can see Logan Mylou ending up somewhere like New Jersey, where he can just blend in in an enormously populated area, not stand out, not be bothered by anybody, and become a really solid and argumentatively a number one or number two right-handed defenseman for a franchise. And it's going to be a loss to Montreal, but there just might be too much media too much emotion involved to let that flame die out. And I'm not saying anybody should. I'm not saying I agree with anything. I'm just saying it's a very well-lit fuse that just might not be able to be put out, which is surprising to me. I'm surprised they actually signed him for one reason. If Montreal had the opportunity to get a supplemental first-round pick or a first-round pick some way as compensation by not signing him, I'm surprised even though everything he's been through, it says one of two things. Either Montreal's management 
now is very impressed with his progression and thinks everything is behind him, or they're going to try to market him and maximize trade value and maybe end up getting a higher first round pick instead of a supplemental first round pick. I hope he plays in Montreal. I think he's going to be a heck of a defenseman. I think he's going to be hard hitting, very good skating, got a great shot. Montreal definitely needs that on the right side. I just don't know if there's going to be enough forgiving or ability to be able to set emotional issues aside. They are a very hot trigger with him still, and if they haven't died out yet, it kind of has to make one wonder, will he actually be allowed to play or will he just relentlessly be in the media? And again, I'm not saying I agree, disagree, anything. I'm just saying what is, and that is the reality, unfortunately, for him. Now, that finally brings us to the 2022 draft where Montreal netted, of course, Yuri Slavkovsky, Philip Massar, Owen Beck, Lane Hudson, Adam Ingstrom, and arguably Vincent Rohr, Cedric Wadine could be added to that list as well as they're having really good seasons too. And that's a hell of a haul. From three or four drafts, that's a significant haul. Now, back to the issue I said we'd get to earlier. With their sudden turn of playing and losing a lot of games and getting blown out, that should only make all of these, I like to call them tanksters, for Connor Bedard, very happy. The question is, at this point, will they be able to catch the Blackhawks, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, and Arizona for those point totals? If they end up with that first-round pick, it's more likely that it could be like New Jersey ended up with the second pick overall because they moved that far up in the draft. Those three teams might have so few points at this point, they may not be able to lose those top three positions by points in the draft. But Montreal could sneak in with the way the lottery works. Montreal could move way up. If Montreal doesn't finish with the worst record overall, again, they can't move up, I don't think, to the first round. Or they can't move up, excuse me, to the first pick overall in the draft. They can move up though as high as number two, and Jersey did it last year. So, who knows? But I would think that as Montreal starts to kind of turn the corner and unfortunately hit a brick wall, I think the Tankathon people would be just filled with excitement right now, because of course they can start up the Connor Berard, Adam Fantilli possibilities, all those issues are starting to come alive again, good or bad. Well, that wraps up episode 27. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. Thanks again for tuning in this week, and I can't wait to come back with episode 28 because it's just going lights out right now as far as things to talk about. I and mean, there are just topic after topic, great stories like Alexander Ovechkin, all kinds of things going on. Connor McDavid is having another fantastic year, so is Leon Dreisaitl. There's also some surprises with some players that seem to be struggling a little bit. Mitch Marner is having a great year. Austin Matthews, not the year that people expected him to follow up with. So whether it's contract issues, health issues, whatever it might be, hopefully things turn around for him as well. Everybody obviously wants to see the stars of the league do really, really well. And of course, as more time passes by, the trade deadline keeps getting closer and closer. So we'll have that to talk about as well. Thanks again. Have a fantastic week.